Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Yan. In this episode, you will hear part two of my conversation with Howard Walk, who recently retired as provost of Gutman Community College. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. You are about to hear part two of our conversation with Howard Walk from Gutman Community College. This is the second to last episode of season two of Digication Scholars Conversations. We hope you will tune in next week for the season two finale. Now, I know that you are very um, honest, but also critical about you know your, yourself, your work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I wanted you to tell me like a more like an objective um, sort of look back at one of the things that you try to solve is the graduation rate, right? The completion rate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did how did Gutman do? Like over well, the years? Gutman did. Uh, Gutman's, you know, again, began in 2012. Mm -hmm. The first year, the enrollment was was really small. I mean, there were about 300 students or so in that first year, Mm -hmm. first class. Mm -hmm. Um, The the measure that we commonly used and still use is the three-year graduation rate. You Mm -hmm. know, technically, these are two-year degrees, but you know, relatively few students finish in two years. For a and whole, a lot of four-year college also measure themselves at the fifth or sixth six, year. Five or years or six yeah. years, right. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so the three-year rate is really is really a good one to use. And mm-hmm. the three-year rate at Gutman for the that first class was about 45%. Mm-hmm. Now, to understand the the um, the what 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 that number means, you have to understand that the national rate when Gutman was created for community colleges across the country was about half of that, was about mm-hmm. 20%. Um, and in some cases, it was it was lower than that. Right. Um, it was in the teens. I know that there are many yeah, schools yes, that are in the teens. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it was, and this was the reason that for this bold step to try to create a brand new community college. And so it's, a, it it's, a national, it's a national problem. It's just one that Absolutely. everyone recognizes. Yep. It is a national problem for sure. Um, so that, so it was at about 45% for that first group. Mm-hmm. Then the enrollment began to be ratcheted up until it got to that point of about a thousand students or 1100 students. And the rate uh, did not stay quite at 45%. It began to drop a little bit. And it was at about 40%, Mm -hmm. I would say, um, in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what, you know, the pandemic has had all kinds of impacts. Not sure, not sure. I know it's had that the enrollment has taken a big hit. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, and the whole process of, of shutting down and everything going online caused caused big big problems for lots of students so right, right. in addition to whatever problems they were facing in their lives as they as they negotiated the pandemic mm-hmm. um, but government succeeded in basically doubling the three-year completion completion rate yeah. Yeah. Um, which by the way is would you know this is not the kind of thing where I mean you talked about the national average being half of that. 
but also to know that for schools, they would do anything to raise 2%. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's not yeah. like, well, you know, yeah, sure. Well, you know, we're still, for, I mean, we're talking about doing 10x what people would do anything to get done. Um, that's, that's right. That's that's yeah, essentially. Yeah, I mean, yeah, typically when you when you're you know projecting your your strategic goals, and you right. want to raise graduation rates, say, well, we'll raise them two percent right, in the next right. two years. And if you did, that's huge. That's then like, you're very then you feel like you've been successful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this right. this radically different structure had mm-hmm. had that kind of an impact, mm-hmm. and um, and continues to have that kind of impact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, yeah, sorry. I must say I fondly remembered coming to Gutman to visit. And now I really have zero idea whether this was a good idea, bad idea, a waste of money or what. But I remember coming coming to the Gutman building. It's not a big building, by the way. Like Howard said, no. it was constrained. It was a, it's a very nice, beautiful location right in Midtown. Um one unfortunate thing is that there's no way anyone's living within even, no. you know, no. 30 minutes from there because it's no. it's a very expensive area. Um, but um, having that said, coming to the building and one of the things that I, I think I, it was one of the first time I visited and I walked into the elevator and it said there was a, you know, there were a bunch of, bunch of papers that were on the on the walls you know with little almost like a bulletin board right um and there was uh, a piece of paper that said um something like free metro cards um you know um you know you must get it by friday or something like that right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i remember talking to someone i said what's that about you're giving out free metro cards and the person said, oh, well, we did some study and we, we recognized that um, a lot of times students will drop out because they can't come to class, because they, because they can't physically be here. And, and they go and, and they said, and when we look deeper, we realized that they can't physically be here because they literally just don't have the money to pay for the transportation. Something that if you live in New York, you just take that for granted. You know, you don't take for granted taking a limo anywhere or a taxi cab everywhere, but having a Metro car going on the subway is sort of, you know, just like, it's it's a, it's, it's, it's like everyone does this, right? Well, that's, that's, how, you, you, how, yeah, that's how you get from A to B. That's right. how you get from A to B. And, yeah, I mean, and students didn't have that. They they yeah. did they simply didn't have that. And and they said to me that, well, we talked to some students and basically they told us we either can take, you know, like use the money to travel to, to class, or literally my family had to go hungry that day because that's the money that's the, that's the amount that was going to take right um yeah. it may yeah. just be a few dollars but that's the difference between whether we're going to have dinner um or not and so if you look at that math then suddenly it's kind of like wow that's 
that's why they drop out because they they weren't able to even get access to the classroom. Uh, they wanted to, but they they couldn't be there. Not if you know it means that they have to you know starve their child um, that that day. And so so we gave out metro cards for those that needed them, just so that they can come to class. And I remember thinking, man. You know, I don't care what people say about this new school, but this new school is onto something incredible because they are looking at students' lives and they are trying everything that they can. I mean, some of it may work, some of it may not. I don't know. I don't know the the the, the economics of giving out metro cards, but in as far as I could tell, the students that could make it there, it makes sense. You know, just to let them get themselves into the building. Um, yeah, so, it's yeah. a bigger, it's a kind of a, I mean, you're pointing to something that's pretty important in the, in the structure of how the college was set up. Um, and it goes beyond Metro cards, although Metro cards are, are, as you, as you say, it's, it's a pretty central support that, mm-hmm. um, that the college is able to provide. And it's, it's expensive, <laughs> costs a yeah. lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um it's a, it was one reason that some of the other, you know, the other community colleges would look at government and say, well, what about us? How come we're not getting free Metro cards um, for our students? Um, But the, but the point really is that the college recognized in its original structure that, that, that supports like those are critical having students complete their degrees. Um, and, uh, and that extends to recognizing the importance of, um, of, of, of meals, <laughs> literally yeah. of students being able to, to, right. to eat. Right. Um, it, it, it went into the structure of how advisement works at the college, mm-hmm. very, very intensive advisement structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but but the but the ability to get there, and again, you know, you mentioned the location. It's in Midtown Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Virtually all of the students live in uh, either in the outer boroughs in in Brooklyn or Queens or the Bronx or or Upper mm-hmm. Manhattan, and um, and no one can walk there. You know, if you're going to get there, you got to get on a train, and mm-hmm. so the metro card becomes a necessity, and uh, and it and the the inability to be able to do that is one of the factors that contributes to attrition. And that was the recognition that went into this, but it costs a lot. Um, the Gutman model is very expensive and, um, and that's something that the college is going to have to grapple with to become larger, to, to move to some kind of scale, uh, which is a necessity if, if the college is going Mm -hmm. to continue, you can't have, uh, a college with a thousand students uh, or fewer. And I, it's fewer now with the pandemic enrollments. Right, right. Um, it's gotta be bigger. And in order to be bigger, you have to understand what costs are are absolutely essential and what costs right. are not. Right. Um, and I think the question of Metro cards is gonna be a big one. Right. But I, I do still think that whether it's exactly the metro card or exactly a meal or a sandwich, it's it's really the the idea that you're looking willing to look at these things that that makes mm-hmm. that 
the challenge the system, right? And I think on one hand, you know, you're saying, well, you know, the other community colleges are asking, why don't we get metro cards? Well, then maybe that is something to think about. Maybe it's not even the community colleges that should be thinking about it. Maybe it should be the New York transportation system that should think about, hold on a second, because of the way that our fabric is in this city, in this community, that there are kids, there are certain people that they can't go from A to B and it becomes something that just, it, it becomes a, it becomes something that they would never get into the upward mobility, um, you know, path because of this one little thing. And if that's the case, perhaps, you know, it, it needs to be addressed in different ways even, right? Well, it's, yeah, I mean, look, you know, public school students get passes, they get bus passes, train mm -hmm. passes, mm -hmm. uh, but they don't extend to university students, to CUNY students. Right. Um, uh, you know, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's one of the dilemmas that, right. that, that we have to face right. as educators and by the way, in a system like this. That's a lot cheaper than free, t free tuition. <laughs> I'm just saying for the, you know, <laughs> I think free tuition yeah. is good too. Yeah. I'm just saying that you know, hey, even if you can do that, that's this mm -hmm. is a this is a an expensive way to solve some immediate problems. All right, so um, let me let me ask you that. I mean, we talked a little bit about your work at Gutman and sort of community college in general. But I I feel like that you probably have a, a lot of insight to sort of where higher education is today. And probably more specifically, I want to talk about community colleges, but you may have insights about just colleges in general and colleges and universities. But I mean, in the last few years, I I don't you know I feel I feel a lot like uh, uh, someone who's who's forgotten you know what it was like 10 15 20 years ago what happened but certainly the last few years I felt like it's been you know we 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 get hit by a bunch of things all you know one after the other um, you know obviously most recently you know you know covid but which change our lives and the structures of our lives and other, the patterns of our lives, you know, by, by, by so much, but, but there's also a lot of other things going on too, like, you know, racism and, 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 you know, me too. And, and, and all these things that's going on in, you know, in, in society, but it, it really has been reflected in higher education as well. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not just a reflection in my mind. It, 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 there's a role for higher education to play in all of these, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's complicated. It's, um, I don't know. I mean, part, part of what I think we're dealing with now, uh, you know, somewhat less so, say, here in, in New York than in other parts of the country, is a, a level of, of, uh, of political interference with education uh, mm -hmm. and with educators that, yeah. um, you know, that I, you know, I haven't seen in my career 
and probably you know the last time something right. of this kind of magnitude affected how teachers teach right. you know in k to 12 but increasingly in in pub, in public systems in in different states uh, you probably have to go back to the McCarthy era to to the 50s uh, when everyone was looking under their pillows for communists. Now they're looking under their pillows for critical race theorists um, or, 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 or gender theorists. Uh, so there's this uh, pressure that, you know, you read about every day. Open up inside higher ed in the morning and it'll be about the, the latest state legislature that just passed a bill that prohibits educators from doing something or right. that will create an oversight agency to make sure they don't do something. Um, right. It's ideological and it's, um, it's it, in some cases, it, it does in fact impinge on, on uh, not just on academic freedom, but on what students are going to learn and what they were gonna go out into the world with. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that is definitely, you know, a huge, huge problem right now. Um, yeah. Again, we don't feel it here. It's a blue state, red state thing in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, you know, I spend some time in Florida because of uh, family mm-hmm. obligations, and uh, and it's pretty bad down there. Uh, what the what the state government is doing. Yeah. Um, so right. you know, that, that's, saw, that's part of it. That's part of I it. I just saw. Was it like a a week or so ago, they they had either were passing a new law that was about, you know, not having to disclose who the presidents are going to be, yeah, uh, until yeah. basically they are hired, and 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 this, that is just so that the 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 now, if I understand correctly, the border regions are the ones who ends up hiring the presidents or appointing them, but. But they are also being appointed by the governor, um, mm-hmm. if I understand correctly. And so there's this very strange, opaque wall behind someone can sort of really make 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 systemic changes and impose the systemic changes just based on one or two people's will. Um, yeah. These are dangerous. And, and why is it that I mean, why is it that in, I mean, in higher education, there is not a shortage of smart people. There's not a shortage of theorists and people who understand the history and, and the political nature of all of these things, right? Um, why is it that higher education as a sector is not able to stand up to these types of um, abuse? <laughs> well, it's politics. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, the, um, it's, it's the, the ways in which politicians um, mm-hmm. who, who are able to exert their will, whether it's a governor or a state legislature, mm-hmm. Um, and they do. They are the ones who hold the purse strings to pub for public systems, and so they're. So you they... think that it's it's. I mean, I I I get that part. So we're mm-hmm. saying, look, it's hard to fight the people that are also holding 
your meals vouchers. You know, mm-hmm. here's the money. You you want that money, right? If you don't, you it, it's a it's a it's a difficult situation. It's it's like if you go and fight them, they'll just be like, all right, well then we'll cut you somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that they could do it in very um, sort of backhanded ways, where um, you know you could win this this front over here, but you just lose something else and it, it sort of bites you at the end. Is that why we're scared to do it? Cause I mean, look, it's largely. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, so. cause look, I, I actually want to go back a little bit. I mean, you're a historian and, and I remember, um, talking to someone in, um, in a Western state, um, who was telling me about, their public university's funding structure. And it was a public university. It still is a public public university by the names and by by the whatever the initial, you know, paperwork and the land grants and all of that stuff. I don't know whether it was I think it must have been land grant. Um, but I, I'm sure that the, uh, you know it it you know the 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 number was you know probably close to 100% was funded by the state um you know with some tuition money coming in the tuition was was a small percentage at, at one point and over the last uh it must have been 20 20 to 30 years but it's a little bit at a time um i i spoke with this person probably about 5 years ago and she told me that the the percentages, the percentage of funding that they are going to receive this year, or, or five years ago, was going to be seven percent. Seven percent of the operating budget comes from the government. Right. The rest they make it up via fundraising, via tuition, via whatever that beg and borrow. You know. Yeah. It it really you know it's that that's something that. I didn't know, and I thought I was, you know, I was reading inside higher ed, higher ed too, right? That's not a common knowledge. Um, no, no, at least not that dire. That's actually dire. It is. No, it's a, and it's a pattern that's you know been seen in all all parts of the country, blue states yeah. and red states. Yeah, where the the percentage of public funding. Sure. This is blue, by the way. Yeah. This is blue state, and right. and oh, and and they told me that. Even then, um, they they said that because its origin is, is a public university, that um, for all in-state students, they still had to cap the, um, the the tuition anyway, which is why they then started charging a, a they start huge amount recruit. for, yes. for yeah. you know from out of state international yeah. students where they have to pay a you know a, a lot of money and. Um, but that's that's just us. But but to me, I, I I remember thinking at the time, why doesn't the school say something? Well, and I think they do. They, they, they do it all the time. I mean, you know, the yeah. lobbying is is a kind of a nonstop activity. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, again, it's 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 politics. It's yeah. it's the ability, the the persuasiveness, the leverage mm-hmm. that 
that university officials are able to bring to bear. Sure. You know, I know in in New York, the the CUNY's got an office that does this. They've got people in Albany who yeah. are doing this all the time, who monitor. I actually had the experience. I worked for about a year in the central office, the CUNY central office. And one of the jobs I had was to review bills that had been uh put forward in the, in the Albany, in the legislature. Uh -huh. uh, someone in Albany would, would go through the, all of the bills, pull out the ones that had potentially some impact on CUNY and send them down to Manhattan. And my job was to go through them and look at what the impact might be oh and God. then root it, root it to the appropriate person, the yeah. Dean of health professions. Yeah, you know, sure. there were an awful lot that were about medical right. policy and, mm -hmm. uh, right. and, uh, or the Dean of education. Um, so that, that's just, you know, you have to operate that way. You have to be on top of what's being proposed and mm -hmm. then be able to, contact and and have meaningful right. conversations with the right. legislators who are going to vote on right. these things. Well, and I'm I sure guess that, it, that happens in all 50 states. Yeah. I guess it I guess it, it is it is happening. I just, you know, feel a lot like um you know, like we talk about affordability in higher education is yeah. a, is a big mm -hmm. deal and and the narrative the national narrative in you know, if we were to look at New York Times is it has been about beating up universities for the most part by saying that tuition has raised in a rate, you know, they always show that chart that says tuition raised by this much inflation is only this much, yeah. right? A car, you know, is only grown by this much, but tuition has gone from, you know, $8,000 a year to now, you know, $60,000 a year or whatever, you know, whatever, um, you know, uh, especially private institution charges. Mm -hmm. um, and, and student loans and, you know, all that is, is it becomes a ridiculous number. Um, but but a, a fairly big portion of that also came from the fact that, you know, the institutions, well, they, they lost their funding. And there was really for no good reason other than the states saying, we, we don't want to give you that money. You can, we think you can make this up. And it almost feels like that the schools being you know, who they are, they're saying, hey, we have to keep operating. So if they don't give it to us, we're going to make it work by doing something, you know, like raising tuition is one thing, but, but like fundraising didn't used to be as big in, I mean, some of these universities didn't used to have a big fundraising arm. Now you have a public universities that have multi-billion dollar endowments, right? From private money coming from, you know, philanthropists, uh, because they go out there and say, you know, hey, you know, that sports team, whatever it is, you know, please donate or the medical school, the medical center, please donate, etc. Or scholarships, what have you. Um, but that's raised by private money. Um, you know, so in essence, every time that 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 line get pushed further because you were able to fill it with something else. It was okay to do that, but at the same time, tuition will continue to go up, and I don't want to. I don't want to be the one who's um, defending necessarily that some. I'm not saying some institutions are not raising their 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 tuition because it was just good for bottom line, or you know, it's probably some versions of greed or whatever, right? Or that they are misusing their funds and whatnot, but. 
a big, big portion of it actually was not even that. It's, it comes from the fact that it was, it, you know, the, a big chunk got yanked out of their, their bo- you know, under, underneath, you know, and they have to fill it with something. Yeah. Um, and that's a, you know, that's a, that's a hard narrative for me to see, um, you know, because then it's so easy to just almost demonize, um, you know, the, the value of higher education. You know, then, then, well, then that's, I, see, I think that that's, you know, that actually kind of leads in a slightly different direction. And I think it's important because it's the, 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 the culture of higher education or the place of higher education in the culture um, has kind of kept pace in a negative way with the financing of higher education in the way that you're talking about. You know, higher ed is a punching bag at this point um, for an awful lot of people. And um, and that goes hand in hand with the funding decisions that are made mm-hmm. with with respect, particularly to public education. You know, the privates are a different kind of in a different universe. Um, and a lot of, of course, a lot of them are struggling. A lot of them have closed. Um, you know, the shakeout is probably not over for those mm-hmm. for those mm-hmm. places um right. and it you know and it's connected to the whole sorting structure of the society that we're in as well yeah. you know just to, as a local kind of example here the university the city university like many many places has suffered from the pandemic in terms of enrollment um, a lot of the colleges are way down the community colleges especially have suffered a lot you know, Gutman is a small place that got smaller. LaGuardia is a big place that got somewhat smaller. Um, Bronx is a medium-sized place that got some, somewhat smaller. Um, but Baruch College, which is one of the kind of flagship mm-hmm. uh, colleges, has more students than they know what to do with. Right. So there's this sort of gravitation to what's perceived as the top. And the same thing is true on a much larger scale nationally. Um, You know, Stanford has no shortage of applicants. They don't have an enrollment problem. Uh, The Ivies don't have an enrollment problem. My son works at Oberlin College in in Ohio. They don't have an enrollment problem. Uh, But if you go down the... You know the U.S. News and World Report rankings. Go the ranking. They start not that I not that I have a lot of confidence in that, but you yeah. understand what I'm saying. Yeah, that's where right. you see the the enrollment the enrollment problems, um, and you know, and in the largest sense, it's about demographics. It's about the the number of 18 year olds in the country. This concludes part two of our conversation with Howard Walk from Gutman Community College. To hear part three, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Digication Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative e-portfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. This episode was produced by Jeff Ian and Drew Albanicius. Thanks for listening.